In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Often when our Lord speaks of his kingdom, he does so in the context of the desert. And I think this is a pedagogical tool, tool that he wants to use so that we don't think of his kingdom as something merely man-made or something dependent on human structures. And the desert actually is an optimal place to teach the kingdom because of its emptiness. And this emptiness is not merely a vacuum, it's also a place of possibilities. Something can be built up there unobstructed. And the word of the kingdom contains the entire kingdom in seed form, just like an acorn contains the entire oak tree. When our Lord sows his seed, the entire kingdom is present. And he wants it to be sown in a fertile heart that will receive it and allow it unobstructed grow to fruition, bearing fruit that will last, welling up to eternal life. It's the same seed that is sown on all of the different types of soil. The difference is the soil. This is not a parable about predestination. This is a parable about God's grace and human nature, God's grace and vice and virtue, God's grace and habits. The seed that fell by the wayside was meant to be germinated in the heart of the recipient, but through no fault of the word or of the divine sower, it fell by the wayside of this unreceptive person. In John 8, he says, Why do you, why do you not understand what I say? It is because you cannot bear to hear my word. And this is a necessary law of nature. The heart that cuts itself off from the source of its life suffers from terminal sclerosis. The words of divine nourishment fallen on such an arid surface wither and go untasted, undigested, bearing within themselves the richness of fruition but never coming to germination because there's a separation between seed and soil, between the word and the heart, because these hearts are one-dimensional, all surface, no depth, stimulated by a thousand passing other words that compete for its attention and yet not substantially altered by any of them. The person who lacks internal, interior life, and this means somebody who maybe says prayers but is not prayerful, somebody who multiplies vocal prayers but doesn't do mental prayer daily, this person is incapable of withdrawing into himself. And why? Perhaps that person has tried to do so and has done so successfully, withdrawing into oneself and finding what there, finding emptiness and not liking what he finds. And so he retreats to the surface. But again, just like the desert, this emptiness is a place of possibility. It's not a problem. It's an opportunity. And so the emptiness of our own hearts is a place of capacity for God. We are made kapax day. We are made capable of receiving God and being divinized through grace. And this divination, this divinization is not in the Mormon sense of becoming God, 
uh, as a substance, but div divinization by being God per accidens, as Thomas Aquinas would say. And so this is what grace does. It elevates our hearts, our minds, our nature to participate in divine nature without losing our human nature. And this living on the surface, often amongst traditionalists, that takes the form of somebody who doesn't do mental prayer every day and then lacking this interiority goes from lover to ideologue. How can such a soul be a recipient of mysteries if there's no experience of the interior? It allows the seed to lie there unclaimed, unprotected, and his heart has nowhere to go, nothing to ponder, nothing to mull over as Our Lady did when she heard the word of God. This living on the surface, though, doesn't last long because there's an enemy at work who's observing. And this enemy, unlike his victim, has an interior life, but his interior is a void. It's a black hole. And he loves to find people who live on the surface, ideologues, people who are more in the area, who, who, who occupy themselves with things rather than our Lord. When, where Christ lovingly toiled to sow the seed of his word, this plundering enemy dives down, sees that the seed has not been germinated, it hasn't taken, there are no roots, and the enemy has an easy time of it. With regard to the second type, our Lord speaks of it as having shallow soil. And this is a person that Satan finds very easy to work on because this person may have a spiritual sensitivity and have tremendous consolations and good feelings in prayer. Nonetheless, those feelings are not God. Consolation is not God. God is imperceivable. We don't, we don't touch him. We can't feel him. So any consolations that he allows us to have are creatures. It's easy to be attached to those creatures, but to be attached to them is a sort of infidelity. John of the Cross calls it spiritual adultery because such a one manipulates God in order to achieve something that is less than God. It's a world, an interior world turned upside down. And this superficial spiritual life, which is more based on feelings, programs, events, the latest apparition, etc. This lacks roots, lacks depth, and the moment of temptation, the moment of tribulation, trial, persecution, lacking the depth, not having roots sown in one's heart, makes it easy for the evil one because there is no wedding of seed and soil in this heart. We can only fight, defend, and die for one we love. A man, any man, would do that for his bride, for his children, for his country. How much more are we called to suffer for our Lord? 
And so trials, temptations, tribulations are opportunities to prove our fidelity. They're not problems. They're, they're the opportunities that providence allows us in order to grow in virtue. With regard to this third type of person that our Lord speaks of, while it was temptations and tribulations that hindered the seed's fertility in that second type of person, this third type of heart that our Lord considers reveals something much more banal, much more chronic, and therefore more insidious than tribulations. This is a person who spends hours a week perhaps reading news of the church or of the world and falling into all sorts of anxiety. Anxiety, says St. Francis de Sales, is the worst evil that can befall us after venial sin. Anxiety worries this worldly spirit, reveals a lack of trust in our Lord, a desire for control and not being able to do it, a certain desperation. But it also, since it consumes us, Anxiety is at odds with the first commandment. We can't really be anxious and serve our Lord. How can we have an interior life? How can we worship our Lord if we're anxious or if we're attracted by those things that the world presents to us and we see them as at odds with God and I haven't made my choice which one I'm going to serve? Our Lord says that anxieties and concerns for things of the world strangles or chokes the word or the seed so it not bear fruit and in in Luke's gospel he wrote it in Greek that was his first language that's why he has a very difficult Greek he uses this onomatopoeic word sympnigei which is kind of revealing of the sound of somebody choking and that's that's the word that he uses sympnigei and so it's just like there's something stuck in one's throat and there's, it's going to deprive the person of life. The good soil, on the other hand, and I would say that the exemplar of the good soil is the Blessed Mother. As soon as she hears the word in her ear, in her interior, it bears fruit in her heart. There's no calculation. There's a straight path from ear to heart. As soon as she knows the will of God, she makes it her own, and there's nothing within her that is at odds with it. She doesn't calculate about the cost, doesn't ask what's going to happen to me. It's what do you want? The Son of God is the sower appointed by the Lord of the harvest, and his business is this painstaking agriculture of sowing seeds and tilling the soil, and it requires patience and skill and our Lord has it in abundance this good soil allows him to work has absolute trust in the master's hand lets him work on himself to our Lord's delight our Lord waters these seeds of his word that he sows in our hearts with his own tears through his passion when we unite ourselves to the passion of Christ, when we contemplate the passion, when we unite our own sorrows, our pains, our difficulties to Him, 
we allow his tears to water the soil of our heart, to make the, the seed cast out roots and deep ones. And then it becomes more and more his project and his kingdom then reveals itself in ways that only he can see perhaps, but nonetheless real. And the desert of our heart becomes a very fruitful garden for him. And so the church presents to us this gospel right before we begin Lent to let us consider not only the traditional three enemies of the soul, the world, the flesh, the devil, but also the possibilities that our Lord has and wants to bring about in our souls should we let him. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.